So where would we be without the music of Beethoven? Uh, where would we be without the iconic roles played by Marlon Brando? Has there ever been a better poet and songwriter than Bob Dylan? For those of you who are under the age of 30, uh, think of a world without Billie Eilish mumbling through every single lyric she's ever written. Where would we be in this world without some of the greatest artists we've ever known? Where would we be, this is my 1993 self talking, where would we be without Kurt Cobain's flannel-filled grunge rock? Or with, without Van Gogh's post-impressionist influence in this world? Today, we're taking a look at the creators, the creatives, the innovators, the artists among us, the people in our lives who have deep waters running through them and a lot of creativity and sometimes a lot of emotion flowing through them. Today, as we continue our series, we're talking about those who walk the road of originality. They're highly creative, they're attuned toward beauty, and they point all of us to the depth and richness of the human existence. You are one of a kind if you're on this road. In fact, that's probably the reason why you hate the fact that we're talking about you this morning, because you like to think that you're one of a kind. If you walk the road of originality, there is this, this thinking inside of you that says, no one really sees the world like me, no one feels as deeply as me, no one will ever fully understand me. And so the fact that I'm about to say that there are a lot of other people on this road doesn't sit well with you. But you need to know that you are not alone in this world if you walk the road of originality. You're not alone. There are a lot of other people for whom the following is true. Pay attention. You like things that are refined yet out of the ordinary. You've never really felt like an insider. You feel a lot of feelings in any given day. Sadness is familiar and comfortable territory for you. Criticism stings you and stays with you. You feel the need to explain yourself, to be understood. If someone says, this is what you should do, or this is what everyone else is doing, you can guarantee that that is not what you will do. People have accused you of being intense. Your passion or emotions are too much for them, they say. You're a creative person, and yet you often feel misunderstood, and that causes frustration for you. And deep down inside, you worry more than most about being abandoned. Without you, the world would be a bland, cookie-cutter, humorless place. But with you, there is humor, and there is wit, and there are good stories, there are great songs, and we understand better the depth, the struggle, the beauties, and the pains of the human existence. You are a blessing to this world. And yes, you are, as, as some kids would say, a big mood, <laughs> but you bring big blessing with those moods. In fact, the great gift that you bring is, as I've just said, you, you bring beauty and depth and truth to this world. And we're thankful for it. I'm thankful for the people who walk the road of originality in my life. And I can think of at least two people who are definitely on this road. This is the path they walk. This is the personality they have. Uh, the first is my mother, and the second is my good friend, Frank. 
My mom and Frank are both songwriters and artists. They both have deep spirituality, and they have deep emotions flowing through them and deep thoughts within them at all times. I grew up with my mom, and I would watch her write songs and sit at the piano and, and create music. I'd also watch her cut her own hair in the mirror and make accessories from scratch for every piece of clothing she ever owned. The first time I met Frank, he was wearing all black, but he was playing a bright purple electric guitar. His head was shaved except for a four-foot-long ponytail that came out the back. And from these two people, I have learned more about God. Their spirituality is deep. More about God, about myself, and the beauties of this world than from perhaps just about anybody else in my life. And that's the blessing of the people who are the, the, the innovators and the creatives. They bring beauty, depth, and truth into your life. They walk to the beat of their own drum, and they love the fact that they do. But they bring a lot of richness into your world and mine. Now, with that said, as with every path, with every person, there are rocks on this road. Although I'll say to you, if you walk this road, your rocks, your pitfalls, your burdens are, are more interesting and unique than anybody else's. The rocks on this road quite often are two things, shame and envy. Shame and envy. And this is where King Saul comes in. Uh, we don't hear much about King Saul's creative side, but we do know that he was a man who felt deeply and who was driven almost compulsively by his emotions. Uh, king Saul was made king by the command of God. God spoke and said, Saul is going to be my king, king of Israel, king of God's Old Testament people. And yet there was an insecurity inside of Saul that influenced and overrode even that great joy and honor and success of being chosen as king. Shortly after he was chosen as king, God gave him a command. He said, go and fight these people. And God was pretty specific about what he wanted Saul to do. But Saul's insecurities got the best of him, and so he decided to innovate on God's command, and he did not do what God asked him to do. And so immediately after the battle, God says, look, Saul, your, your reign will ultimately fall short. A successor to your throne will emerge soon. There was a man named Samuel who was a prophet. It was his job to break this news to Saul. And Samuel was just flabbergasted that Saul had somehow ruined this incredible opportunity to be the king of God's people. And Samuel, the prophet, his job was to hear from God and then be the voice of God, physically present with the king, and then whisper it into the king's ears. And so Samuel comes to Saul, and, and this is what he says. And these words of Samuel give you a deep glimpse into Saul's heart and mind. Samuel says this, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? In other words, I get it. You've always had a really low view of yourself. You've always been really insecure. But God made you king of Israel. Was that not enough to overcome all your insecurities? Could you not be driven and directed by God's promise over your life rather than all these insecurities? And the answer, of course, to that was no. And so Saul then had deep regret, which then gave birth to deep shame over the fact that he'd really screwed up his kingship. And then in comes David. 
And the second David emerges, it becomes clear that David is going to be the successor. And now all of Saul's regret and all of his shame over having screwed up his reign as king now has a focus. It has a person to look at and blame for it. Uh, Listen again to what Saul does as David's stature as the future king emerges. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting at verse 8. Saul said, they have ascribed to David tens of thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And here's the key point. So Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house. Envy can overpower us. Envy is a strong spirit that can overtake us. Envy is the desire for something somebody else has that you think rightfully belongs to you. It is a bitter, deadly pill to swallow because once you swallow the pill of envy, it starts to take deep root inside of you. Shame also has various sources and deep roots. You could have shame in your life because of some mistake you made in your past that you still feel deeply guilty over. You could also feel shame in your life if, if say, someone left you early in your life, maybe abandoned you early, and for some reason you, you blame yourself for it and you hold on to that as if you did something wrong to make them go away. And that can be a significant source of shame for people. For those who walk this road of originality, Uh, The shame that they carry that gives birth to envy very often comes from the fact that they recognize that there's a lot of stuff going on inside of them. That there's a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of complexities, and they tend to think that no one has as much baggage as them. No one is as much of a burden to the rest of the world as them. They tend to carry guilt and shame over this belief that they are too extra for everybody else, and they'll never be fully received, never be fully loved, never, ever be fully accepted. And so they feel shame for that. And then that shame gives birth to envy because what they envy in other people is the freedom and the peace that other people seem to have. Uh, The lack of internal burden that others seem to have. The fact that other people seem to be understood and accepted while they are still alone and misunderstood leads them to be envious. And then that envy can become bitterness, it can become anger, All too often with those who walk the road of originality, their shame gives birth to envy, which then becomes a kind of condescension towards others, where they can often be accused of carrying themselves as if they're smarter or better or funnier than everybody else. Sometimes with those who walk this road, when you interact with them, you often feel as though you don't get their joke. And what that is, is a way for them to upset the peace that you have because they always feel like the outsider. And so their envy has given way to condescension to make you feel like the outsider. That's how they disrupt your peace. And now, whether this is your road or not, a pastoral word for all of us is to be on the lookout against envy. Because as I said, it's a strong spirit that overtakes and sours our existence. It's a death pill when you swallow it in so many ways, which is why 
the Old Testament in particular, especially like the book of Proverbs, it goes out of its way to warn us against envy. Here's just one example of that. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, it says, A heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Quick side note, the only antidote to envy if you're struggling with it is gratitude. The only real way to deal with envy in a way that kind of pushes it out of your life is to give praise and thanks to God for the good things that you have. It's to develop this this kind of knee-jerk response when you start feeling as though you deserve what somebody else has. You pivot away from that envy over to praise and you focus on some things that you do have. When you see that they've got the job you think you deserve or the better-behaved kids that you think you deserve or they've got the confidence in front of the crowd that you think you should have, you pivot away from that and onto something that is in your life, that is in your hands, that God has given to you. And rather than say, woe is me, you say, thank you, Lord, for that thing that you do have. That is the antidote for envy. Now, Saul's envy grew and grew and grew until the point where he basically committed the rest of his life to eradicating David from his existence. But at the core of Saul's envy for David was not David. It was what David possessed. Look again at the text from this morning, starting now at verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So David has the Lord. Saul does not. So Saul removed him from his presence. David had success in all his undertakings. Saul did not, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in awe of him. Now, that's not to say that if you're on this road of originality that you're going to get so overwhelmed with envy for others that you're going to want to, like, you know, see them dead. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Here's what you, you do have to be mindful of, that envy can so take root in your life on this road that it clouds your eyes and puts you into a deep despair that, that clouds every single interaction you have. But remember, the core issue for Saul was not David himself, but what he saw David possess. David now had the favor of God. Saul once had it. David now had the heart of the people. Saul once had it. David now had the the kingdom in front of him. Saul once had it. And what he's envious of are all the things that Saul possessed, that David possessed rather, that Saul once had. But how did Saul lose those things? He lost those things because of the very beginning at his insecurity. The big point for you if you walk this road in this story is not how Saul's story ends, but the cautionary tale is how it begins. Saul's story began with him unwilling, unable to believe the bold declaration of God that he was the chosen king, that he had God's favor, that he was loved, that he was the Lord's man. For whatever reason, he couldn't wrap his heart and mind around that. He got distracted by all the other stuff in his heart and his mind, and that is what took him off course. He couldn't believe God's declaration of him being the chosen one and the king. Now contrast that with what his son Jonathan did. If you know the figures in this story, you know that Jonathan is Saul's son. But Jonathan is also David's best friend. And Saul and Jonathan have very different responses to the emergence of David. 
When David shows up on the scene and he's killed Goliath and it becomes clear that God's favor has now shifted to David and the hearts of the people have now shifted to David, God is declaring that David is now the promised king. Jonathan looks at him and he receives him and he accepts him. In fact, let me read it to you. This is what happens. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. If Saul is king, then Jonathan is what? The prince. Which means that if David is going to take over as king, it means that, that, that Jonathan is going to lose his own right to the throne. So David's existence is as much a threat to Jonathan as it is to Saul. And yet, Jonathan's response to God's clear choosing of David is so different from his father's. He, he looks at him and he accepts what God is declaring. He takes off his royal robe, which is the sign that you're a member of the king's family, and he places it at David's feet for him to wear. And he takes his sword and his shield and, and all of his weaponry and he gives it to David. These were symbolic of the power and the authority that came with that throne. He takes everything that belongs to the royal family and he gives it to David. This is his way of saying, I believe what God is saying. I accept what God declares. God is saying, you're the king. God is saying, you're the one. God is saying, you are chosen. And I am accepting that. He accepts what God says. His father never could. And that's the implication for you if you walk this road of originality. To not let your emotions, your insecurities, whatever the thing that's, that's bubbling up inside of you get in the way of you saying yes to God's clear choosing of you. Be a Jonathan when God calls and not a Saul. And let me be clear, God has chosen you. He's not chosen you to be king. But through Jesus Christ, through his perfect life and a sacrificial death, he has cleared a path for you despite all your complexity, all your emotions, all your creativity, all the baggage you think you bring. He's cleared a path for you to be in his family and for you. Yes, you'd have a seat at God's table. And he's chosen you in your baptism. When you were baptized, all the work of Jesus Christ was applied to you. It was, it was your coronation day, so to speak. It was God saying, I choose you. With all that's going on inside, with all the troubles in the, in the world, every, every problem in your hands, no matter all those things, I choose you. I forgive you. You are mine. All my power is yours in the form of my Holy Spirit your place in my family is secure forever. God has chosen you. And now, each and every day that you get up and you live, you have, you have the choice. You, you can be driven by, by the emotions and the insecurities and the ups and downs inside of you and around you. You can let those things drive the bus. Or you can believe what God has declared. That no matter what you feel, that no matter what you experience, He's chosen you. He loves you. He knows the stuff going on inside of you. He made you. He forgives. He loves you. You can let other things drive you and shape you and define you, or you can let that, you can let that define you. Which will it be? And when those who walk this road, when they lay hold of that truth, 
when they, on a daily basis, return to that truth of God's choosing and believing the promises of God about them in their life, they, they, are, less, they are less driven and defined by the ups and downs on the inside, and they are, they are free to let some of their creativity and their beautiful insights on how they see the world flow through them in a way that blesses the rest of us, in a way in which we desperately need. And that's my prayer for you if you walk this road, that you would come to terms with, wrap your heart around that truth that God has chosen you. And that as you come to terms on a daily basis with that truth, you would continue to choose to grow. And here's what growing into your unique list looks like. I think, I think it means for you at least three things that you should make a practice. Uh, ultimately, it's one practice of, of, of self-expression. And I know you think, oh, I've already got that down. I'm on the road of originality, so to speak. But, but, but here's specifically what I think you should do in your self-expression. Uh, you, need, you need physical expression. You need spiritual expression. And you need some, yes, artistic expression. Uh, to a person, everyone I know who is the artist and the innovator who walks this road, they have said to me that there was a change in their life when they began to discover the joys of being, being, being outside and running or biking or doing something physical. Yeah, that changed them. There's a lot going on in here that needs to go out into the world. And so being physical, exercising, doing something, like, like getting out into the world and sweating just a little bit makes a huge difference for you. If you're not already doing that, you need to do that. Also, you need spiritual expression. Again, a lot of stuff going on in here, and that needs to get out in your spirituality. I would encourage you to familiarize yourself with something called the prayers of lament. Prayers of lament are prayers of, of sadness, of despair, of frustration. And if you walk this road, my guess is that you can speak anguish as a second language. And the problems and frustrations that you have with God, with others, I think you should take those things and you should write them down. Fill a journal. Fill something with all of those prayers of angst, anxiety, and frustration and let that flow through in your spirituality. That will open up new things for you. And then you need artistic expression too. One of the unique things about you is that God made you a maker like he is a maker. And you don't have to write songs, you don't have to, to paint paintings, but, but I think you have to do something to express your inner life in something that the rest of us can see and appreciate, whether it's a garden that you tend, a car that you rehab, or, or a book that you write. I don't know what it is. This will allow the rest of us to grasp you and understand you and get you a little better. This will allow the rest of us to see inside and appreciate you, which is what you really want. I know you. On the flip side, if you know someone who is the artist and the anguished type who walks this road, then there is, there is just, there's just three things they need from you in order for you to love them well and to bring out the best from them. Uh, what they need from you is they need feedback, they need space, And they need you to acknowledge them. They like to go up and down. They like to feel deeply. And, and they need to know how their emotional journey affects the rest of the world around them. So tell them. Often they can be oblivious to how their burst of emotion creates a ripple effect that the rest of us have to wave, a wave that the rest of us have to ride, so to speak. 
The second thing they need is they need space. They need space to feel their emotions, not apart from you, but with you. As someone once said to me, I, I, need, to, I need to cry, I need to laugh, and I need to do it with you, and I need you not to abandon me in the process. So even as you tell them how their emotions affect you, you need to give them space to feel those things and be with them in those things. And then lastly, they need you to acknowledge the gifts that they bring into this world. At the heart of so many, so many creative people is a fear of being rejected, of being abandoned. And for them, acknowledgement of the gifts that they bring into this world equals relational security. And so when you feel a desire to say, hey, I'm thankful for this, or I appreciate that, or I'm so glad you said this, or that you created that, or did that thing, when you feel that impulse to share that with them, follow that impulse and share it with them. Because for them, acknowledgement equals security in the relationship. It means you need me, you get me, you're not going to leave me. If you walk this road, I want to leave you with, with one image. And it's the image of, of kids on a seesaw. You remember the seesaw, right? It was the, it was the best way to break a tailbone in elementary school. The seesaw is fun because it goes up and down. Well, it's fun when you're young. When you're an adult on a seesaw with your kids, it's a great way to get motion sick. One of the things we love about you is that there are deep rivers that flow through you. And we can see that you appreciate the up and the down as those things flow through you. But not everyone likes to play this game. Not everyone can go up and down with you as you feel, as you create, as you respond to the world inside of you and around you. What you really need is balance. When you find the right person who can sit on that thing with you, who, who is the perfect match for you, you could actually balance if you wanted to. And friends, that, that's ultimately what Jesus is for you. He's, he's the perfect match for you. His forgiveness is the perfect match for your shame. His, his love is the perfect match for your regret. His acceptance is the perfect match for the flood of emotions that you feel. His grace is the perfect match for your complexity. And what he gives you is the gift of equanimity. That's your $5 word for the day. It means internal steadiness. When you know that everything you are on the inside is seen and forgiven and accepted and loved, you don't have to be driven by all the things that you feel. You can have peace and steadiness no matter what you feel. There is no one in the world like you if you're on this road. And yet there is one who sees you, who gets you, who accepts you, and who will never leave you. That's his word to you. Believe him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the artists among us. We thank you for the creatives, those who, who live life beautifully out of step with the rest of us, who feel deeply, who love greatly, 
whose wit and wisdom and humor enriches our lives. And yet, Father, we know that, as is the case for so many of us, that at the core of that, there can be some shame, there can be some regret that can lead to some other things. And we pray that you would just speak into their hearts, whoever they are, speak into their hearts the truth that you see them and you love them and accept them through Jesus Christ. And may that give them a peace and a steadiness and a security that they so deeply desire. And help them to know that they are never too much for us and certainly not too much for you. Because we and you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.